acknowledging that you're in an abusive relationship is acknowledging that you have failed to leave this person before it got to this point. And you feel like you're failing at everything so consistently because they're telling you you are, that it's almost an impossibility to bring your mind to think that. Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today I'm speaking with Emily Davis, a spiritual empowerment coach and the author of the book, Damsel No More. Thanks for being here, Emily. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So for people who don't know what a spiritual empowerment coach is, can you talk a little bit about what kind of coaching that is versus coaching that people might normally think about? Yeah, absolutely. So I do something very unique. um, And I don't actually know of very many coaches that even do what I do. So I don't even know if spiritual empowerment coach is actually what people would identify it with. Anyway, it's just kind of what I've decided to call myself. Um, But what I do is I help people discover their purpose through unblocking and accessing their spiritual and intuitive gifts and learning how to use them without fear. Okay. And what qualifies you to be able to be this type of coach? Well, I have a very interesting backstory as far as that's concerned. Um, I have known of my own intuitive and spiritual gifts since the time I was very small, Um, like really, really, really little. I think I remember asking my mom, like, if this was normal around like six or seven and being like, hey, like. I do, you know, I experience these things and trying to talk to her about it, which of course I was like six. So who knows if I said it even remotely, understandably, um, right. she was like, okay, go outside and play. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, this is weird. I get this now. <laughs> what kind of sensations or experiences were you having at six that clued you in? There's a couple like big key ones that I can like really think of um, as far as stuff that was happening. I, even now, I'm really good at channeling and talking to people's spirit guides or people who have passed on or, you know, different entities that not everyone can always see. Um, And so I was doing that at that age. Like when I had imaginary friends, they weren't really imaginary to me and they would tell me things about people in the room, you know, Um, Mm. and it would be like that kind of thing. And I would physically see them or I would feel them or I would would hear them talking in my head um, really, really clearly. And they would tell me really specific things. And so that was the first kind of like, this is kind of funky. Like, I don't know if my, you know, imaginary friends are supposed to tell me about like how my dad had a hard day at work or whatever it was at the time, you know, like, huh, this is interesting. And then the other thing was that I'm a very clairsentient person, which means I feel other people's feelings and, um, both physical feelings and emotional feelings within my physical body. So instead of um, people who are really empathic, who feel people's emotions and react to their emotions emotionally, I actually feel them as physical sensations within my body. So if someone's in a lot of pain, I'll feel their pain where they're feeling it also on me. Or if someone's feeling really uh, like has a lot of anxiety, my chest will tense if I'm channeling it. Now I can turn it on and off. At the time, I could not. Would they have to be near you for that to happen? No, No, not at all. I can um, definitely tune into, I mean, I've done readings and stuff for people now all the way across the country. At the time when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. it was really overwhelming and I was really shy because it was so much to cope with. Like I didn't understand what was happening and it was just overwhelming all the time. Um, So I was shy and interested in very weird things and spoke at a very adult level at a very young age because I was having these other influences talk to me and these other feelings, et cetera. 
you look back on it, how did your mother cope with this as it, as it progressed? Like, how does a parent handle this? And how do you feel like your mom did with this? My mom is like the sweetest human being on the face of the earth. However, she is an incredibly devout Catholic. Mm. And so she really could only talk to me in terms that she knew, which is, I mean, what we all do as parents, right? And there wasn't the resources there is now where like something's happening with your kid and you can type it into Google. And in five minutes later, you have like 17 answers that may or may not be things that you can test out. So for her, it was more of just like, okay, it sounds like your imagination is so big. That's wonderful. You should go play with it. You know, it was more like a, just, just go do stuff. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and with the physical stuff too, she'd be like, okay, well, do you need an ice pack? Like, I, I can't really help with that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So she did the best with the knowledge that she had then to back that up. But my parents are very spiritually connected people. So talking about God was always really comfortable. So when I got to the age in high school where I started talking about like, hey, I think I see things that aren't necessarily that. Um, mm. it, it wasn't the easiest conversation, but they kind of understood to a degree because they had that background, which was nice. In spirituality. So exactly. they were receptive to the idea that there is more than just this plane. Exactly. Yeah. And then in high school, um, me seeing like I was scared at that point because I had been shunned for being weird. And um, I, I didn't know how to talk about what I was experiencing to any degree, you know, but I was still experiencing all these things and seeing guides at night in my bedroom and stuff. And it got to the point where mm-hmm. I was a junior in high school and I had my mom sleep in my bed with me on a regular basis because I was so scared. <laughs> Sleep was a really big struggle for a long time um, for me growing up because you're calm. You're in, and you also go, what's happening in your brain is you're going into the theta brainwave, mm-hmm. which is where you're the most receptive to other planes and other realms as well. I actually, now that I'm adult, <laughs> I'm an adult, I actually became a theta healer to really try to tap into this and figure this stuff out because it was happening um, so often to me. And that was part of my journey of rediscovering my gifts after an abusive relationship, which we can talk about in a minute. But when you're laying down to go to sleep, you are going into that brainwave, which is where basically your imagination lives. It's where other things can talk to you through. And so obviously it's going to be really hard for you to sleep because that's like an invitation for everyone to come (laughs) talk to you that could reach out to you during the day. You're like, thanks guys. (laughs) Right. Because those other kind of obstacles or other thought patterns are no longer, uh, blocking, right. Th- those exactly. other, yeah. So for you as a high schooler, um, I know we're heading toward that time when the abusive relationship started, but prior yeah. to that, um, how, how was life for you with your friends and how, you know, how was life for you with your friends and how were relationships for you? Did you reveal what your experiences were or did you keep it to yourself? To a degree. So I, um, in high school, it was really interesting. So I went on the path of like, I'm going to find other things to validate me because I don't feel validated that the things I'm experiencing are real or are normal or are correct. Um, I was really into schoolwork, but I also worked full time as a a way to kind of distract myself too. Um, So pretty much all through high school, I worked full time and did school um, and occasionally did a sport or something along those lines. But I did, I really did struggle with friendships a lot of the ways. I did a lot of um, searching for myself through using drugs and things along those Mm -hmm. lines, Um, you know, 
in actually a pretty positive way most of the time comparatively like I was not I've never been a drinker like that wasn't my thing in high school it was like oh I can expand and connect better with what's going on and try to understand myself more by using these substances I'll try that then I guess because <laughs> it was just a constant search of me trying to find validation that what I was experiencing was real and was welcome by someone, even mm-hmm. if that someone was me, which I was just trying to cope with. Um, I did talk about it a little bit. I would do like tarot readings. Um, I had a couple friends that were really in tuned, which was nice. Actually, one of them's um, my co-host on my podcast now. We've been oh. close. We were like eight years old. So it's <laughs> great. And she's just as spiritually weird as me, which is fantastic. Well, did you ever have a moment where you agreed with your parents and thought, oh, this is just regular stuff or these are just, you know, imaginary friends? When did you make the decision or understand, nope, what I have going on is different. When I tried to tell my mom when I was that little and she didn't get it because my mom understood everything. Like our parents are our first gods, Mm -hmm. right? Like they know everything. They tell us what to do. Like, and she didn't understand, like she didn't think that this was something that like she had, didn't have words to talk about. That was like the first moment I remember being like, oh, this isn't normal. And from that point on, like, unless I was hanging out with like a friend that was like really connected and could talk about those things, it really wasn't something that I ever viewed as normal. I immediately started to shut it back because I was like, if my mom doesn't know what this is, obviously this is weird. Right. And no one else is going to know if she doesn't know. Right. I didn't realize it was that young that you also understood. Okay. I, Cause it sounds like you had a real strong sense of self. Yeah, I did. I also, um, I was really into kind of very odd things as a kid, um, which were looking back on it now, like really important ways for me to cope with all the energies I was feeling. Like the only thing I wanted to do was ride horses. Like that was it. Like Mm -hmm. they, they, my parents would be like, let's do soccer. I'd be like, nope. Like, let's, let's do this. I'd be like, no, nope, I just want to ride horses. Like that's literally the only thing I want to do in this lifetime. And it's, I, the connecting with horses is so good for your energy management. And I think subconsciously, that's part of the reason that was something I so deeply wanted to do, um, which I did end up doing for years and years and years. But yeah, so there's things like coping mechanisms that I developed, like without noticing because I was a child, but looking back on it as an adult, like, oh, that's part of the reason I was really drawn to doing these specific things, super into art, because I could draw about it and I wouldn't have to talk about it. Right. Um, So you referenced this abusive relationship, and um, I'm hoping that you don't mind sharing a little bit about how that happened and and how it was that you found yourself in that relationship. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm an open book all about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I basically got into an abusive relationship. It was my senior year of high school, and I still was kind of floating between friends. I had lost a couple friends to like really traumatic deaths and suicide and stuff like that in high school. So I was really not in a good mental place. And I ended up getting into an abusive relationship with this horrible human being. Um, and we were in a, in the relationship for four and a half years. I had two kids with him, ended up marrying him. Um, and he was the classic, like narcissistic, psychopathic style abuser, um, where he hit Mm -hmm. it very well for the first like year. And then after that, like all hell broke loose. Um, and he moved me eight hours away from anyone I knew. And I was really, really stuck with him. And it was literally living in fight or flight every single day for almost five years. Wow. So when you were with him initially, um, for the first year, there were no signs that you could find of this behavior. I mean, me being 17 and 18 years old, 
no, because I was 17 mm-hmm. and 18 years old and this is my first real relationship. Um, and it was the first time someone had validated me and I still wouldn't even share with him a lot of the weirdness because I knew weird is different. Weird is wrong. That's like what you internalize, which is not correct, but it's what you internalize as you grow. Um, yeah. And so I still wouldn't even share that with him, but it was just, there were signs now looking back on it. Like you can think back at it, right? Of course. Cause like hindsight's twenty twenty. but, um, yeah, looking back on it there, of course there were signs in the moment. I see how I could, I, I can easily recognize how those were justifiable to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so you're moved away. It's a year into the relationship or so you're now moved away. Do you have a child yet or are you pregnant? So I actually, I wasn't moved away until about two years. So he started being really abusive before then. And then he, under the guise of everything's going to get better if we move, I moved with him about two years in. Um, but I had my first child at 18 and then my second mm-hmm. child at 19. So it was like within the, the first, essentially two years of our relationship. And during that time, did you have support from your family? Yes. My family are the best people. They're so accepting and so welcoming and so loving. Um, I honestly, my, my son, my, my first child, who is my son, um, I had the weird thing that you actually see reality TV shows about where you didn't know you were pregnant. That actually happened oh, wow. to me, um, which was really weird looking back on it. Cause I'm like, I'm so sensitive to energies. I don't understand. I really, <laughs> I still don't. And I think it's just because I was so caught up in the relationship and I had graduated high school and I'd just gone to college and there was just so much stress that had never been there before that I was already blocking all that stuff off. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know I was pregnant until about two months before my son was born. And at the time I really wasn't showing. And I had my first OBGYN appointment scheduled for, it turns out to be the week after he was actually born. So I honestly thought I was like, so not far along and I was still bleeding and everything was normal. And and it was not normal. <laughs> wow. So you're the first person I've ever spoken with um, personally that had that experience. Yeah. And then even with my daughter, when I was pregnant with her, I still didn't show like my body just didn't show pregnancies at all, um, which mm-hmm. was really, really odd. Like and my son ended up being preemie um, uh, when he was born. So that was like part like I figured that was why I didn't show. And then my daughter was full term and I still was just like no bump at all. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess this is just my body. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's right. a really, really weird, traumatic, crazy experience. So was your partner during your pregnancies and in early childhood for your kids uh, different toward them? No, he was not. Um, when I first had my son, it was like the switch flipped and he knew that now I couldn't leave him. Um, and that was the thing. I think that really like, he was like, haha, now she's mine and I can act however the hell I want. And I will. Um, he wasn't, he would be good in front of other people with the kids. So he had the capacity to pretend to be good, which was like one of the creepiest things. And it was also one of those things that kept me in the relationship because I kept justifying, oh, but like, look how he is in front of my parents with the kids or look how he is in front of his mom with the kids. Like he's so good and mm-hmm. he's so sweet. Why am I thinking that he's not good? And then we would go home and he'd like yell at them for crying. And they're like one and two years old. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so he was just two different people at the same time. And the person that he was to the world was kind and caring and, and loved the kids. And then the person behind closed doors only loved himself. Uh-huh. So 
did things escalate or how did you come to know that you had to get out? Um, so things escalated very, very steadily. And within like about the last year of our relationship, it got to the point where it was like incredibly physically abusive, incredibly mentally and emotionally abusive. And I, when you get to that stage in an abusive relationship, it's actually psychologically very challenging to recognize you are in fact in an abusive relationship. Um, because you're so in it at that point, it's acknowledging that you're in an abusive relationship. It's acknowledging that you have failed to leave this person before it got to this point. And you feel like you're failing at everything so consistently because they're telling you, you are, that it's almost an impossibility to bring your mind to think that. Yeah. So I want to, I want to dig a little into that. I haven't heard that explained that way before. So are you saying that uh, when you're in an abusive relationship, and at least for you, you knew that it was abusive, but because you'd stayed that long, it made it harder for you to make a change? Well, I didn't actually. So you can't even recognize that it's an abusive relationship. Like he will be hitting you or something. And it's, it's like, Oh, I deserved it. Like, it's fine. Like he's still, I love him still. I will make him better. I will fix this. You're in that fix this mode. But also like what's really happening subconsciously is, you know, it's abuse subconsciously, but admitting in your conscious mind that it's abuse is admitting that you've chosen to be there. Mm. And it's like, you're even more abandoning the self that you thought you had. Does that make sense? Mm, mm. So it's almost like too painful to admit or see that you might have had a hand in it just by staying. Exactly. Exactly. I see. And so. So what was the moment? What was the moment of no return for you where you realized like what 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 pushed you to the point of realizing, okay, you were done or how how did that happen? Yeah. Um, So it's kind of an interesting story. So I was (laughs) believe it or not, I was selling cars at the time. Um, because that was the job that hired me. I'm not good at it. So I'm just going to like really, really bad at it. So I was not doing good at work. And obviously home was just a mess. And a woman walked onto the car lot one day and she, I don't think she was homeless, but she was eccentric for sure. Like almost there kind of you know, thing. She had tons Mm -hmm. of stuff in her arms and she was like, Hey, like, I just need to get a car. I need to leave this place. Like I need to go. And I was like, okay, like, let's take you inside. Like this is procedure. This is what I do. And I took her inside and she like broke down and said that, you know, she was really struggling and she just needed to get home to Southern California. And I was like, okay, well, this is the cheapest car on our lot. And she was like, okay, I have, um, I think he was her, like her, one of her best friends or something like that from like back home. And she's like, he will pay it for me or at least put like the down payment on it for her. And she was like, can I call him and, and you can talk to him? And I was like, yeah, like that sounds great. And so she called him and she left a message and he didn't answer. And she was like, Hey, like I need to go do something. And she left and she didn't come back mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. And I still had all her stuff and it was like really weird. And I was like, Oh, she probably didn't actually have someone she called, you know, she just pretended or, or it wasn't someone who would help her. And then later that day, he did actually call back. Mm -hmm. And when he called back, he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. She's trying to get out of there. I will absolutely pay for the car for her. It is not a problem. Like, please let her Mm -hmm. know when she comes back to call me again. I just want to hear from her and I just want to make sure she's safe. Like was really actively like there for her. And I remember kind of like, wow, that's really cool that even though she's in a bad situation, like she has this person to support her this much. And then Mm -hmm. 
Because at that point in time, I wasn't really talking to my family. I was eight hours away. I didn't want them to know how bad it was, you know, so I was just kind of like shutting off. And they they knew that it was bad at that point, um, but there's nothing they could do because, you know, I was married and, and far and what are they going to do? They can't just call the cops, you know, that's not how it works. So, um, yeah, I... So she came in like the week later and I was like, Hey, like, here's your stuff back. And also he called, he'll pay for the car for you. And I'll never forget. Cause she like looked at me and she was just like, you know, it's okay. I'll, I'm just going to go. And she left. And I was so sad. I was like, so deeply saddened for her. Cause I'm like, there's this person who wants to help you more than anything in the world. And you're just going to walk away from that and keep choosing this. And then that was kind of the moment I realized like, Oh, I am doing the exact same thing she's doing. Like, I know things are bad. Things are definitely bad. And I know that if I asked for help or people offered help, I could accept that help. And I'm choosing not to do that. Um, And then pretty much the next week we went to visit his mom and he ended up yelling at me really bad in her house and almost getting physically abusive. And she looked at me and she was like, I will call the cops if you want me to. And I said, yes, please. Hmm. And she did. Wow. Yeah. And that's how I escaped. You're at her house and the cops came? Yep. And they arrested him and they took him away. And he had past charges in the county that he had a warrant for that I wasn't really fully aware he had a warrant for. Um, And so they brought him in on um, obviously like the domestic abuse charges. And then they also kept him in jail for like two months because of the other charges, which gave me a chance to like fully separate and I got full custody of my kids immediately, which was really nice. I set up visitation cause I was still trying to do the right thing, you know, like supervised mm-hmm. visitation. He showed up to exactly one of them and never scheduled another one has not seen the kids since doesn't care <laughs> and fine with me. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so I was able to felt like I was able to get help from my parents who were finally happy that I was safe and were again, just crazy, amazing, supportive people that they are. And I was able to nail down a job, um, actually with horses doing something that I really mm. loved. I know, um, to reconnect with like my power again and get my kids and I into like our own new, like super cute little mountain condo that was just like the safest place. And it was mm. an ability for me to like go into this life of like reeling of like, I was just reeling from all of this pain and trauma and grieving the death of the life that I never got to have basically Mm -hmm. um, where I was going to go to college and do all this stuff, which didn't happen. And so I just got to have like a calm peace space, peaceful space to get to do that. Do you think that his mother was aware of, of all of his patterns and behavior prior to you marrying or being with him? I do. I do think she was aware. I think she didn't think it would ever get as bad as it did. I think she knew he wasn't a good, necessarily a good influence or made good choices. Um, But I don't think she fully was like, whoa, he's going to do this to his like wife and children. Yeah. Um, But I do think, I think there's a lot of regret there on her side, which is part of the reason she was like, Hey, I'm going to call the cops if you want me to like, cause I think she was like, Oh, this actually is what he is, you know? And do you have a relationship with her now? I do. Yeah. That's great. Her and his sister. Um, it goes up and down with them because it's, I mean, he's her child still. 
So there is times when she's talking to him and I'm like, I'm just not going to talk to you until you realize again that he's not a good person. Mm -hmm. And it always happens. And she'll immediately be like, Hey, he did it again. I'll be like, yeah, I know. That's just what he does. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have, we do have a pretty good relationship and I am very thankful for her. And then your kids see her too. Yeah, that's great. How long ago was that, that you got out of that relationship and set your kids up in your mountain condo? Um, eight years, almost nine years. Yeah. So your own gifts and your own spirituality, mm-hmm. it sounds to me from what you've said that you kind of stopped engaging in it or you shut it off. Or do you understand how come those gifts or those spiritual feelings were not available to you during the time you were with that abusive man? Oh, a hundred percent. When you're in a situation where you are only thinking about survival, nothing else can come in. Like there's no magic. You can't tap into anything greater than yourself. You're just like, how am I going to feed everybody today and make sure that we don't die? Like that is the Mm -hmm. space that I lived in um, for so long. And all of that trauma is exactly what blocks your gifts. Right. So Mm. I had this huge, big traumatic event that shut my gifts off, but most people have not just big traumatic events. Cause we all have some sort of big traumatic events that occur in our life. That's just what life is, but we also mm. have the little traumas and those tend to stand in the way of your gifts as well. So everybody has these spiritual gifts. Um, I deeply believe that. And I've been shown much evidence of that. Um, but they are just blocked by these little traumas and big traumas that we have like taken on in our life. Um, and that all that pain and all of that, you know, those, um, limiting beliefs and stuff. That's what really stops our magic because it's like, think about like debris in a river, right? Our magic Mm -hmm. flowing is that river. And then we throw a bunch of rocks and sticks and mud and and bushes and beavers like into the river. (laughs) (laughs) We throw a bunch of beavers in there. And and that like block like that stops up the river um and so in order to get that magic flowing again you gotta like you know capture your beavers and take them to a nice home (laughs) that's not the river (laughs) i feel like i understand what you're saying (laughs) okay um but yeah so during that time like i had my gifts completely shut off the only thing that i could still kind of feel um about my magic is i have this one guide and she's a very physical guide for me like she's she's always like really near my body and like near where i live and and things like that and i could feel still like it, at the time my brain was like your like your houses are haunted like that's what my mm. brain was saying um because I was in fear mode. So everything was scary, including even this good thing. Um, and occasionally something would happen, like she would burst a light bulb or some like when my ex was yelling at me or something mm-hmm. like that. And that my brain would be like, your house is haunted. And I'd be afraid. Um, but that, that was just like another fear pattern. Um, and it's just because she was making her presence known so physically that she didn't like what was going on mm-hmm. that I could still touch into that. But that was like the only shred of any sort of spirituality or magic or metaphysical, anything that I could even remotely examine about myself during that mm-hmm. time. So how long after How long after you separated from that situation did you start to re-engage with your magic? 
Well, uh, it took about six months to really get out of fight or flight. Like it was still like fight or flight every single day for like a solid six months. Like good things were still happening. And, you know, I was still, I was doing things that I loved again. I was drawing again. Like I was doing all this stuff, but I was still like every night it would be fear immediately. Um, and it took about six what months. Were, like, what was the fear? What was the shape of the fear? Was it that he was going to reappear? It it was some nights it was that some nights it was like, he's going to come find me. Um, and you know, he was even in jail for some of the time. So it was completely irrational, but it was just like, that's what my brain was telling me. And then some nights it would be like, you're doing everything wrong. What is wrong with you? Why can't you make everything good right away? Like, why did you let like do this to your kids? Like it was those fears, um, that were coming up, but that was just as bad and just as like, palpable and real, you know, sitting on your chest. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that was occurring. So it took about six months to like really kind of like get out of that and start to like breathe. And I was seeing a counselor and, and I, again, I was working with horses. Um, I was being a horseback trail guide. I live up in the mountains of Lake Tahoe. So I was mm. like horseback trail guiding through that, which was like really helping to me to like reclaim my power and ground again. And know I can do these like move big things and do big things. Um, which was really helping in about six months after I had left him, I was like, Hey, like, I think my magic's going to come back. Like <laughs> at that point I was like, I want this. Like, I want to feel that connection that I had, even though it was scary then, like, I know this is part of my purpose. Like it's that feeling of like, you know, that it's there and it's something that part of your purpose. And it's something you need to investigate, even if it's scary. And like, I was like, Oh, my magic is going to come back. I'm so excited. And then it did not. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand. I was just, <laughs> I remember like three or four months after that, like I was distraught. I was like, why, why is it not coming back? Like I've had to deal with this crap my whole life and now I want it and it's not here. Like, this is not fair. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And I remember there was a moment where I was like, did he seriously take this from me too? Like he's taken so much of me away from me. Like, is he really, did he really take this too? And like the moment that it really changed for me, my whole mindset is I was like, no, like he didn't and he's not going to. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to unblock these gifts again, because I know there's magic in me still and I'm going to freaking find it. And that's when I really started actively pursuing ways to clear out the trauma so that I could really reconnect with my magic. And what did that look like? What were you doing? I did about everything you could imagine. <laughs> I did like energy healing stuff. I would sit in meditation, even though I, I was scared and I couldn't really meditate anymore. Um, it was really hard and all the trauma would come up or, you know, I would just like sit there and everything would be quiet and I would be so frustrated. Um, and then I did things like I would spend time journaling for like tons of hours and I would try to do ritual. I got, I read hundreds of books about everything from like ancient um hellenic greek uh religion to like modern day um you know numerology like everything and anything like anything magical and spiritual and metaphysical i just wanted to get my hands on and i really immersed myself and and did everything i could to learn and then the, really what the groundbreaker was and this is actually what my book is about is i was in a new i ended up getting into a new healthy relationship with my amazing fiance he's incredible. And I love him so much. Um, but once I got back into that relationship, it really brought back up all of the trauma. Mm -hmm. So I could actually deal with it 
But of course, at the time, it was like crippling. I was just like, oh, great. I have PTSD now. This is fantastic. He'll say something that doesn't mean anything and I'll crumple like that's not good. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it was is it was it gave me the pathway to actually see what I was feeling, which was super huge because when we're triggered and we're into that, that mode where we're, you know, experiencing a lot of trauma and all these horrible emotions are coming up, like those are, it's actually a gift because you actually get to see where you're triggered from and you can actually work on something. If you're not being triggered actively, which was me healing before I got into the new relationship, it was, it's really hard to work on anything because you literally don't have anything bringing up any of the problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, (laughs) Right. So that was huge. But of course I was like suffering at the time too. And I had a coaches and I was like trying to figure out why none of nothing was working. And then, um, the real, the real switch for me came, um, as far as healing trauma goes, when I decided I was going to make healing fun and I was going to make it a game because it couldn't just make it another chore. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up making just Uh, it's essentially like a role play gaming model, um, like think Dungeons and Dragons or, or, um, something along those lines. And I gamed away my anxiety. I made a character and made her take on challenges. And then when I would conquer that challenge in my real life, she would get some gear, um, and really like delved into that. And through that process too, I also really started to open up to my gifts and discover new ways to move through trauma in a much simpler ways and more spiritual ways, and then really connect with my purpose through that as well. And the more I healed, the more my gifts opened opened up and the more I used my gifts, the faster I would heal. So it just started like a ball rolling that just kept going and going and going um, to the point where I really was able to not only nail down like a, Hey, here's a game playing strategy where you can heal from trauma using gameplay if you really need to do that. But also, Hey, here's a way to really unlock and reaccess your spiritual gifts um, in kind of a different way and discover your purpose through them, uh, which was super huge for me. That book is damsel no more. Right. And and who is that book good for? Um, it is good. Specifically, the full title is Damsel No More, The Secret to Slaying Your Anxiety and Loving Again After an Abusive Relationship. Um, so it, anyone who's had any sort of relationship trauma, which is someone who's cheated on you or a really abrupt breakup, like any relationship trauma causes negative patterns in our future relationships. So if you're struggling with those, that the book is great for that. And it's also, you know, you, you got to love some fantasy storyline because it's both fiction and nonfiction to, to get into the book yeah. as well. Um, so that's who it's really kind of geared towards. And, you know, is it at all in the style of your, the, the website you have too, because you have a very um, conversational and kind of, you know, funny like approach on your website. So is it sort of like that too? Yes, absolutely. It has everything about life. I decided it was going to be fun. And since then I have made sure to make everything I do as fun as freaking possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is great for your kids. Cause you've got three kids and have a fun mom. Who's also like into magic and able to do those yes. things is a pretty killer, huh? Yes, absolutely. It's super fun. And now when they come to me with their weird things that they're experiencing, I have the dialogue to talk to them about it, which is like right. super duper cool. So we have very open conversations about spirit guides or like nature magic or like, you know, using crystals to heal or my daughter, um, my oldest, who's not biologically mine. She's my fiance's biological logical daughter, but they've grown up together so much. Like I'm her mom and my fiance is my kid's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has her own like deck of like beginner kids tarot stuff that she uses Ooh. to like help her. And it's really, really cool to be able to do that for them. 
Do you do you find that your own kids have some of these um, gifts as well? I mean, I know I feel like the right answer is to say we all have gifts, but do you feel like your your children may have inherited some of what you have? Absolutely. Absolutely, they do. Um, right now we have a very we have a lot of kids with these gifts, um, like generationally, like we have like the indigo children and the crystal children and all these children that are coming that are very in tune to these sort of things. Um, but kids are naturally in tune to them anyway, because they just have such a thinner veil and they don't have so much gunk in their rivers. Right. They don't have so many beavers. <laughs> there, hasn't, there hasn't been um, that much life for them to live. They may have some like ancestral stuff or past life stuff that is still gunking up their, their rivers, but, but they're just much more mm-hmm. open to these magical things being poss- a possibility um, and, and being in tune with it. And all three of them have actively talked to me about like things that they experience that they're like, hey, mom, this sounds like something you do. And I'm like, yeah, like, that's totally something I do. Or, oh, that sounds like that might be your own kind of thing. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel safe? Like, what would help you? Like, and we can actually talk through it that way um, so that they're not scared of it because fear is one of the biggest blocks on our magic. So often we fear Mm -hmm. our magic because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how to use it. And it's just the unknown. And it's just our like ancient hunter gatherer brain being like, unknown is scary and dangerous. Like, don't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's not actually... It's actually something that'll serve us so much. So if we can actually address that as they come up from a very young age, it's so helpful for their development um, with their magical stuff. So a lot of people have uh, ideas about this because if they haven't had personal experiences that they recall, they might have some feelings about what magic and what spirit guides do. And are you, have you ever encountered any uh, influences or guides that are not benevolent? Like, do you ever, have you ever, is there anything to be afraid of? Um, so yes, I've, I've, there's not stuff to be afraid of in my opinion, but I have encountered these, um, non-benevolent forces. Actually, really recently I had, um, a client of mine and she was like, there is something in my house. And I was like, what? Like, there's something in your house. And she was like, yeah, like I need you to like tune in and see what's going on. And she did. She had a very not, he was connected to the, the, her actual house from past um, you know, it, she lives in like an old mill house mm-hmm. and there was like some really serious trauma that he had there. And he was really angry at her cause she had just gotten pregnant and she, um, he was angry cause his wife had left him when she was pregnant, whatever. So mm-hmm. he was like taking that anger out on her and I was able to, you know, clear him and move him to the light and uh, onward and outward. Um, and the thing is, is you need to have the skills of setting the boundary. Like I could go into her house and he couldn't there'd be no way he could hurt me because I have the spiritual boundaries. So that's why it's so important to get like the proper training to use these gifts. Like I had to do it on my own. And part of the reason I started doing my business is so that other people don't have to do it on their own. Right. Um, they can access their gifts, discover how they use them and also learn how to feel comfortable doing so and know that they're safe mm-hmm. because it's just like your boundaries with people that you're like, no, I don't stand your toxic energy. You're not allowed to bring that here. It's the same concept. Okay. And, and how many people do you think have these abilities? To do, to, any, to like just, yeah, to engage with their magic. Everyone. Okay. I honestly think every human being on this planet is born with their own set of intuitive and spiritual magical gifts. Um, 
yours might not look anything like what I just said mine are. Mm-hmm. Um, yours, maybe you are really in tune with plants. You can talk to them, you know what they need and also know what plants are good um, for what thing intuitively. Like maybe that's your wheelhouse. Maybe you're super connected with numbers and can do numerology like very just intuitively and just know it right off the cuff. Or maybe astrology is your thing because you can sense that. Or maybe you, you know, are just really good at seeing auras and vibrational patterns and things along those lines. Like there's so many and there's so many gifts that don't even have names. Um, which is why I'm like, it's hard for me to say like, I help people like awaken to their psychic gifts because it's not even really psychicness. It's there's so many different things that you can have. So what's a good way, uh, prior to someone really investing a lot of money or doing a lot of reading, what's some baby steps that people who are interested in what you're talking about can take to tune into their own power? Absolutely. So this is a great question. This is one of my favorite questions um, because the tip I always give is just so magical and fun. Um, (laughs) uh, So I always recommend that first you want to start a dialogue with the universe. Um, Start having a dialogue with the universe. Be open to feeling your own energy, feeling how your energy flows. Um, Keeping, I call it a magical journal is always really helpful where you just write down like, magical things that happen to you, whether you saw the number 11, 12 times today, or, you know, you could sense what your partner was going to say before they said it, right? Just Mm -hmm. like those little things, just keep a journal so you can notice your patterns. That's super huge. And then also um, select a validation. So a validation is something the universe can send you anytime you're asking for a sign. So everyone at some point in time has asked for a sign and it doesn't necessarily be like, give me a sign, but it can be something like, am I on the right path? Like I'm really doubting I'm on the right path. Mm -hmm. Like that's asking for a sign too. And the universe has always sent those signs to you, but you didn't know what the sign was. So you missed it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) you know, whether it was like, yes or no. Um, but you didn't know. So selecting a validation is selecting what the universe can send to communicate with you. So for me, my validation is rainbows and I live in a place where it doesn't rain. (laughs) I just like, I feel when I first selected this, I was like, I feel really aligned with rainbows. Like, I feel like this is my thing, but also like, I don't know how I'm ever going to see them. Like they just aren't here. I don't know why I'm picking it, but I'm going to pick it. And so you just say out loud to the universe, like, Hey, if I'm on the right path or asking for a sign, or if you need to communicate with me, please send me whatever your validation is. So for me, it was rainbows. I have a, I have a client who had, who, um, was hers was red cardinals and she lives in a place where there's not red cardinals. Mm. And, um, she just, they were just like her, always her good luck thing that she always felt a connection between red cardinals and her grandma. And so my story is literally the day I said that, uh, my daughter came home from school and she holds up a piece of paper and she's like, look, mommy, I learned to draw rainbows. (laughs) And there was like 17 rainbows on this paper. And I was like, okay, okay. I hear you. Like I yeah. see the rainbows. They're going to come. And now they always come when I need them. Um, but my, like my client with the red cardinals, she was like, I don't know if they're going to, how I'm going to get sent red cardinals, but I guess I'll give it a shot. And that day she went to a garage sale and the woman was selling like her whole estate and she collected red cardinals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So selecting a yeah, So it's there. It sounds like it's there if you're open to it and you kind of are, uh, intentional about it, you know, you can actually see what you need to see. Exactly. And it's the way you start a dialogue with the universe. You have to speak in the way the universe can speak back. So select a validation and then just watch the magic happen as the science gets sent to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
it's the coolest way to start really touching and accessing your magic because you're basically letting the universe know, Hey, my energy is open to starting to understand this. And I want to know what my purpose is with this. I know I have this power somewhere in me. I want to explore that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I want to go back, you know, we're, I want to go back before we finish, which is, you know, it sounds like you had a really good childhood. I mean, it sounds like your parents were great from what you're talking about, right? Is that accurate? So, you know, it's interesting to hear that you found yourself in an abusive relationship because so much of the time I feel like what I learn about that is that however you were raised, often you, you know, you find it and replicate it in your own relationship growing up, right? Like in your own adult relationship. And it really sounds like that is not the case for you. That was not your experience. You did not look for an abusive partner because of some type of childhood, you know, situation. Is that true? That's completely accurate. I had an amazing childhood. Um, it, it was wonderful. We had no television, no electronics, but we lived way, we lived way up in the mountains and we were right by the lake. So I spent all of my childhood outside playing. My parents were really loving and sweet and they are still together and have been for 35 years, like a great, great childhood experience. I think, um, looking back on it, if I had to really think about the reason why is one, I had all these gifts. I already felt weird. I had no validation. Mm. Um, and so I was already seeking validation that I was lovable because I felt unlovable because I felt like I was so weird. No one would love me for who I was as far as like romantically, because I was just, I felt, you know, ostracized. I just felt like this was not a normal thing. And I was therefore not a normal person. And I repelled people in that way. Mm -hmm. So I was already seeking that validation. And then on top of it, um, looking back on it, this is such a tiny, tiny little trauma, but this is just a great example of how these little traumas tend to be just as impactful as the massive traumas. Um, but I had always been told again, my parents are amazing, that I could grow up and be whatever I want. I could go to whatever college I wanted to like, and I was, I was totally believed that because like, that's what they said forever and ever. And I worked really hard and I had like a 4.5 GPA and uh-huh. all this different stuff. And then it came time to apply for colleges. And my dad was like, Oh no, we prepaid your tuition when you were three to the local college, like to the university, the next town over, like, that's where you're going. And like from a parent's perspective now, I'm like, yeah, that's an amazing plan to do for your children. Like, that's fantastic. You locked in the, you know, 1990 rate as opposed to the (laughs) now rate. Like that's, I get it logically totally. But to me, it said, you're not even good enough to go to the schools you want. Like your work doesn't even matter. Mm. And that's what my brain internalized it as. So that was like the final push where I really was like, I need something to validate me. And knowing now what I, I, what I would have done is, you know, told my younger self, I guess would be like, you don't need anything to validate you. Validate yourself. Like look to the spirit guides to validate you. If you really want external validation, because that's what it's going to come from. It's not going to come from anyone else. But at the time it was just like, here was this guy who decided I was worth the time of loving no matter what, you know, Mm -hmm. even though I wasn't to him, but like in my brain, that's what happened. And so that's where I got into that is I was so susceptible to just please someone acknowledge that I'm worth the time to be romantic with and get to know and that sort of thing. Right. And also, you know, that's a very vulnerable time of life. I mean, at that time of life, I think we all feel, or we felt like we were old and we knew everything, but you know, we're not even completely adults yet. So of course you're extra vulnerable. Um, yeah, he was good at manipulation. Like he was really, he's hyper. The guy is brilliant. 
mm-hmm. like a hundred percent brilliant. If he wasn't a narcissistic psychopath, he'd be able to literally change the world. He's super smart. So I was not only really susceptible emotionally, but his intelligence was like mind blowing to me. And he was able to use that in, against me, basically. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, I have this question, which is maybe not necessary to our conversation and it may not even be the right question to ask, but do you think someone like that, um, it's like a crime of opportunity, or do you think that they always plan on doing what they're going to do to the people that they hurt? You know, like, do you think he went into it knowing what the long game was with you, or do you think it just grew and grew as a possibility? You know, how conniving do you think he was? He went into it looking out for his own best interests. Mm -hmm. He knew that this was going to be the next thing for him that would, he could manipulate me into making sure his best interests were met. He would always have someone to to cook for him and clean for him and um, give him sex and all of the things, you know, that he wanted. I was like, I deserve this. I am essentially God in his brain. He is God. Uh Um, And so this this woman obviously is going to give it to me. And she's so susceptible. Like I can make sure that this is the one, you know, she will easily do that. And he's in a new relationship now. And she's the same way. She's Uh much younger than him and just as malleable as I was. And. I see it all over her face that she's going through exactly what I was going through, mm-hmm. but there's nothing I can do, you know, like, cause I know the space she's in headwise. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, he just, he just looks for the things that'll best serve his needs. And that's what, I mean, that's what narcissists do. Mm-hmm. You know, they just look for things that'll best serve them. That's all they care about. They don't care about you. They care about what will best serve them. Right. So I don't think he ever planned on being abusive. I just think, when it came time where he was reaching that point where I was getting, you know, he wanted to control me more and physically that was the next step was to use physical violence. That's where he went. Um, but was it emotionally and psychologically manipulative and abusive from a very, very early time? Absolutely. Cause that's a lot easier for them to do. They do that without even thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think I understand that when someone is in a situation like this, it's hard to see clearly or even understand or maybe want to acknowledge what's going on. But if there is anything you can offer for anyone listening or for someone who knows someone who's list, who who's going through something like this, is there anything that from your perspective and your experience now that you can suggest or offer that will hopefully... Um, save someone a little bit of trouble or at least alert them to a sign that they may be in a difficult situation and they should be wary? Um, Absolutely. So first and foremost, I would just say like what you're going through is not your fault. If someone else is hurting you, no matter what they say is the reason it is not your fault. It's not your fault for staying. It's not your fault for loving them. It's not your fault for buying the wrong kind of tomatoes at the grocery store. Whatever it is that they're saying is your fault and therefore the reason why you're able to be hurt by them, that is a lie and it is not your fault. Even if it feels like that and you want to get overrun by the guilt, because I know that guilt, I've lived with that guilt, me and that guilt are homies. Um, it's it's not your fault. And that, that guilt doesn't need to be a thing. It doesn't need to occur. So that's the first big one that I would just say, because that's, that was, if someone had told me that it would have helped so much because I would have been like, Mm -hmm. okay, like, I don't know if I necessarily believe you, but even the concept that maybe this stuff is not my fault is really helpful. Like to just even think about for a split second. Like, like a seed, you can plant that seed, right? Exactly. And the next thing is, 
if someone in your life thinks you need help and says, Hey, I think something's wrong. They're right. Mm. (laughs) Like if someone in your life cares about you enough to come to you and be like, Hey, something about this is not right. Like, are you okay? Like this seems bad. If you're spending more time in your day crying than actually doing anything else and they're noticing, listen to them and accept the help that they're offering because that is a a huge indicator because other people can see things when we're so emotionally wrapped up in it. Like I remember my sister, my sister and my best friend came up to visit and when they were leaving, my best friend looked at me and she was like, this isn't okay. Like you're not okay. She was like, you need, you need to come. Like, you're not okay. We need to figure this out. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Everything will be fine. And I shut the door and I was not fine. And everything wasn't fine. Nothing good was happening. There was no good things happening other than the fact that I was like able to maybe make us live. Like (laughs) nothing good was happening and that's not the purpose of life. And if you're stuck in that situation, that's something that you need to be aware of is if nothing's good happening, then you need to find something that's good. And if that means leaving where you're at, there will be better things. There is a horizon and a sunrise beyond today. And to just remind yourself of that. Mm -hmm. That's very helpful. Thank you. I am glad. I'm glad that that clarifies it a lot. And I think, I hope that people who need to hear that are able to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share about it. Yeah. Um, Can you tell listeners where they can find you and, you know, talk a little bit about your podcast and, and I can get everyone to check it out. Absolutely. So, um, I, uh, my website is damselnomore.com. It's the same name as my book. Um, you can actually download a copy of my book for free on my website. So if you guys, um, would like a copy of my book for free, I'd be more than happy to give it to your listeners. Um, this platform is amazing. So, 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 thankful to get to do that. And so if anyone would like that, please go to my website. You can download it there. Um, I also do one free intuitive guidance question um, for anyone. So you can ask a question of me and I can tune into your guides for you um, on my website as well. So you can go there and do that. Again, it's damselnomore.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and my handle is at liker of words because again, I'm an author. Um, (laughs) I also have written some fantasy stuff and things like that, but they're out with submission with some agents. So we'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that's my Instagram handle. And then my podcast, which is a metaphysical comedy podcast. (laughs) 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 It's called Perceptionist Anonymous. Um, And we talk about all of these weird metaphysical concepts that I've kind of touched on today. If you're like, I don't even understand what language she's speaking tune into the podcast and we go really in depth with each week we have a new metaphysical concept or um uh, occasionally we'll have a guest who specializes in something like we've had a hypnosis person on there we've had someone who's a you know expert astrologist um we've had someone who works with sex magic like all this crazy stuff so if you want to check out that um you can really kind of get a foundational knowledge of like what i mean when i say magical gifts and that'll help a lot so it's perceptionist anonymous is the name Great. Um, That's wonderful. I'm really happy that you were able to spend some time and, you know, thank you for sharing these stories and, you know, your personal experience along with what you're, the work you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I love getting to talk about it. And this is a really, really cool space. And I really appreciate you creating that. Oh, thank you so much, Emily. I'm really glad you were here. Thanks for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode and other interviews you might like, 
please visit atecpodcast.com. You can also find And Then Everything Changed on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like this podcast, please do share it with your friends and take a minute and rate and review so that others can hear these stories too. Thanks for listening.